All right, guys, well, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. I'm very excited today. It, this is actually our first podcast of the year. 2022, baby. Hell yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. very excited to start thank it you, off you. with you, Christian. My pleasure. Uh, today's guest is Christian Drepo, and that's how you say it. And uh, uh, he's a stem cell researcher. It, we were lucky enough to meet you right before our festival last year. And it, and it all worked out that we were able to come yeah. and present, and you blew up you blow us out of the water. Like just, it was just oh, cool. insane and beautiful. And we learned so much, read your book, which I mean, as soon as I, as soon as I was like 10 pages in, it was like, I can't wait to like podcast because like I remember the presentation and then I was like, man, I'm deep in here. Um, but we're going to get to that here okay. in a second. <laughs> and and of, of course we have nurse Doza. We have an IV going. So we're going to talk vitamins. We're going to talk health and I'm Tex-Mex Yogi. So let's get the party started. <laughs> I uh, I was fortunate enough to meet you. I, did we meet before the festival? No. No, we didn't meet. We met no. at the festival. Or, Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. so you spoke at our festival last month, and uh, you spoke on stem cells. This is your thing. You are the mm -hmm. stem cell guy. All right. Why stem cells? I mean, it's it's really the scientific you know the scientific approach and the development of research. I'm I'm a neuroscientist by training. So I was doing research at the Montreal Neurological Institute on um, epilepsy and memory. And then I'm hired by a company that has a dietary supplement, Blue Green Algae, from Klamath Lake. And to this is right after the passage of Deshaies, so 1995, and to, to study what this plant was doing in the body. So we documented the effect on inflammation and immunity in the mind. And so we had good data. But we came across a number of cases of people who have very, very serious conditions. They improved significantly. And these conditions were touching like functioning of the heart, of the lung, of the pancreas, of the brain, joint, liver. And the question was, how can this product touch so many aspects of human health? So I make the story short here because I'm sure we can dig in, in, into it later. But, uh, but essentially, we discovered that that plant triggers the release of your own stem cells. By putting more stem cells in circulation, they will go in the pancreas of the diabetic, the heart of the cardiac patient, the brain of the Parkinson's. So you would see a broad variety of benefits. And that's what the plant was doing. So, so that basically shifted me entirely into stem cell research. To me, we had uncovered what is... I think one of the greatest discoveries of our time in the field of not only health and wellness, but how the body works. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I agree completely. Let me clarify this on a layman's terms for stem cells for people. It's, it's growth factors, right? But it's the most potent availability that we have to grow new cells, new tissues. And, and that's what stem cells are, right? Um, they are, I mean, they, they are guided in the body by growth factors, but these stem cells are actually... It's your code. It's your mother it's your, cells. Yeah. They're like, they're like, it's the blueprint of your body. It's, they are in your bone marrow for your entire life. Anytime you have an injury, the injury will call for the release of stem cells then your stem cells get into circulation, then they will guide these stem cells to go to the area where you have an injury or any kind of damage, whatever, right. something that is dysfunctional. And then the stem cells will migrate in that tissue and upon contact with the, the, the typical protein of that tissue, you know, you have protein specifics to every type of cells. So upon contact with these proteins, stem cells will transform into cells of that tissue and you literally repair your tissue. That's what they do. Because stem cells will mirror DNA repair. <clears throat> stem cells will not by itself touch the DNA. 
the stem cells have their own DNA. So the stem cell will come in upon contact with, let's say, a long cell. That stem cell that is nothing. It's just a stem cell. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mother cell blank, if you want. It will trigger in it, its own DNA, which is the same DNA of all the cells of your body. So in that mm -hmm. DNA, the switch will be turned on for that cell to adopt the phenotype of a long cell. And then it will become a long cell according to its own DNA, wow. which is the same as any other yeah. cells, you know? It, it morphs. It, it morphs. It morphs. It, exactly. That's it incredible. Morphs. Not only it morphs, but today as you see, as we all sit here, let's take your pancreas, for example. You will have a new pancreas every four to six years every tissue are in turnover. So in reality, aside from your brain and your heart, and even there, they do regenerate, there's probably not one cell in your body that was there the day you were born. Right. All lost, replaced by cells that are coming from your bone marrow. So it's not even something exceptional. It's something that has kept you alive until today. Correct. And so if I understand, the majority of our stem cells are coming from our bone marrow. Correct. Um, where else would they be coming from? <clears throat> Every question can, can go so deep. I love so it. I love it. I love it. So they are, they reside in your bone marrow as your, I would say, your ultimate bank of, of stem cells. Stem cells will leave the bone marrow, will get into your liver, and they will become in your liver a liver stem cells, traditionally called oval cells. In your muscle, tradi traditionally called satellite cells. Like they were the cells known before all this knowledge to be participating to the repair of muscles. And now we discover, well, they're actually muscle stem cells. And so they come from the bone marrow, they migrate into a tissue, they become tissue committed stem cells, and then they will take, uh, they will play a key role in the repair of that tissue whenever there's an injury. The key point here though is that there, there are not enough of these tissue stem cells in your tissue to account for any significant repair. So when you have a significant repair, you need stem cells from the bone marrow to bring, to, you know, to come to the rescue. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, but they're everywhere in the body, but every tissue. But it's a constant just supply. Constant supply from it's, the bone marrow. It's just a higher demand or higher higher supply, I guess you will, or demand, when there's, yeah. a, when there's huh? an injury. Correct. Correct. So, so higher it, demand because, because oftentimes the demand, supply yeah. is not there enough. That's going to say. And you drag your repair. So in that case, you made it seem like there was a bank, like literally a bank, and you have so much? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we have so much stem cells that we were born with. I mean, the, the, you have, you have <clears throat> the amount is relatively small in the big picture, but they are immortal. So they will multiply during your entire life. Like you don't die because you run out of stem cells. They're always there. The question, do, are they released? And do you end up through this release to have enough in your bloodstream? Because there's a direct link between how many is your, in your bloodstream and your ability to repair or stay healthy. Wow. So if we have white blood cells and red blood cells traveling through the bloodstream, they're running right alongside stem cells. Stem cells are a type of white blood cells. They're inside they're, of they're them. They're all together. One, one per 10,000 white blood cells is a stem cell. Wow. That's why it's hard to find on the microscope because you look at... A bunch of white cells. How can you tell that one of them is a stem cell? So, in which one is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, in the terms of immunity, when are stem cells released in times of infection? That's a different story. So, in the bone marrow, <clears throat> you, have <clears throat> you have two types of stem cells, generally speaking. The type called hematopoietic stem cells. These are the stem cells that will make your blood, in uh, your red blood cells and white blood cells, all mm -hmm. your blood cells. And then you have mesenchymal stem cells. Mm -hmm. 
it's a type of stem cells that will not really contribute actually not will not really it will not contribute to your blood cells they will they will go into the blood and then their mission is essentially to migrate in various tissues and become tissue cells so the stem cells that we're talking about here in terms of repair are not the stem cells that will contribute to an immune response interesting and so mm -hmm. that that's what the exosomes that we provide are made uh, made from is the from mesenchymal mesenchymal Okay. From a mesenchymal donor. Correct. So now I see here. So mesenchymal is going to be tissue repair, tissue targeting. Correct. Right? And then you have Which the is why it's great for PRP. Correct. But then you have uh, the, was it the red blood cells you were saying? The, or the, the, uh, or the, the, what was the first one that you were saying that has its own stem cells? Uh, red blood cells. Yeah, just blood cells in Hemato general. Hematopoietic stem there cells are, are cells that will make blood cells. And then mesenchymal stem cells will make tissues. I'm simplifying here, but that's no, no. That's but a good, that, that's a good that's point, though. But but you imagine it as a part of the immune response, as a part of metabolic response, as a part of, I mean, everyday function. It oh, absolutely. I mean, if uh, you releasing, st if you don't release stem cells, let's say one day you stop releasing stem <laughs> cells, you will not survive for very long, because you're losing cells every day. So you well, because you how will do you not, replenish it? Exactly. Right? How do you repair? Well, it's that whole it, idea that we. We redo our skin every seven years, right, or some, or every, our organs every or our month. Body. Or your okay. skin is every month. Your liver is every two, three years. Your heart is half of it every twenty-five years. Uh, you, the number is hard to to really pinpoint. talk pinpoint because yeah. no studies have been done specifically to <laughs> yeah. study that. It's all sort of a incidental observations. You do a study on one thing and then suddenly you realize, wait a minute, we see a phenomenon of regeneration and according to that study, we could estimate, you know, such amount of time for turnover rate. But but if I look through this, the scientific literature, yeah, you have a new liver every two, three years, a new pancreas every four, five years, six years. So the question is, why is somebody remaining diabetic? I mean, these are like fascinating questions in that picture. And then we can go deep in that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's it. So, so I'm sure we can do future podcasts. I went, I went there too when yeah. I was reading your book. I was like, well, why does anyone stay <clears throat> sick in a, in a sense or from whatever that is? Like why does someone continue to have that pathway? Is, it get, is the code being rewritten as you, as you've, you go? You've got two. You, according to that question, then you would separate diseases, if you want, then in two broad classes. The one that is an injury. So if it's an injury, you repair it, and then it's repaired, yeah. and then you're fine. And you've got the other one, which is an ongoing degenerative process, which too immune or due to some sort of a, something that does not repair well, but l releases products, compounds that maintain a certain situation. These you can repair, but you've, you get the generation layered on top of it every day. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a balance between how fast can you repair and how fast do you decline. Was well, it because it's more of the genetic thing, right? <clears throat> it's a genetic thing, but let's take, we're talking about diabetes. Let's scratch sure. that surface a little bit. Like, like type too immune. 1. Yeah, it's a too immune. So you can repair. We have, when we release stem cells, we have tons of cases of people who will report uh, improvements in their diabetic condition. Some of them, complete reversal. So the question is, what's the difference between the one who has a complete reversal and the one who will just see, let's say, a flattening of the, speak, of the spikes, okay? Uh, and, and it's just a matter of how much do you offset the degenerative process. Let, let me make a very simple analogy. It's like your bank account. Let's say you have $10,000 in your bank account now, and in five years from now, you have $10,000 in your bank account. Nothing has changed. 
but you know very well that it's not true. You've got expenses every month, you've got income, and as long as your income matches your expenses, it looks like everything stays the same. If you make more money, then you get better. If you have more expenses, then suddenly it goes down. It's exactly the same thing. As long as enough stem cells in your bloodstream to offset the demand of your health maintenance, mm. you're fine. If your health maintenance demands more because you have faster degeneration, you need more stem cells. If they're not there, you will experience a degeneration. Or if you start releasing at a slower pace. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so your level of stem cells in your bloodstream is, I would say, your most fundamental determinant of um, how well you will age whether you will develop so-called age-related problems. And the science is there. We can dig into it. It's there. If <laughs> you were to reference that genetic part you talked about as far as contributing to the degeneration, I automatically think about methylation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, MTHFR gene. Um, you're telling me, though, that if you have like a, a SNP, you know, a, a single nucleopolypeptide, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a genetic marker, right? A COMT, a BRCA, you okay. know, like all that stuff, right? APOE, right? If these are off, it's really, we've often wondered, you really can't change that gene, right? And I remember thinking, this is two, two points now. You said you're going to layer all the genetic issues you had on top of that, even with the stem cell demand. Right, because you're saying like you can't outrun the generation at this point. Yes. Okay. Now, the second part of it, um, with with the with like the methylation and 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 the stem cell aspect of it, um, I mean, this is this is almost like if you're going to have this mutation, then you need a more of a demand. You need to constantly supply your stem cell count. Like, what, what does that look like? <clears throat> I, I see two questions in your right, question. Right. Let, let me take both yeah. of them. Let me take the easy one yeah. first because I don't know the answer. So that okay. Be <laughs> <laughs> Which is because I don't, I'm not aware of a lot of science done so far that looked together at epigenetics and stem cells. Like if you develop, if you start to turn on and activate some genes uh, from an epigenetic standpoint, are your stem cells affected by that as well? Or are your stem cells bringing more of your initial blueprint, if you want? I don't know the answer right, to that. Right. So I don't know what could be the relationship between genes that may have been turned on during your lifetime that, have, that could be responsible for some issues. So I don't know where okay. it sits there. But if I look at it more fundamentally... I remember, let me, let me talk to you uh, about a case because it will answer your question fully. And to me, it was, it was, uh, I was going to say life-changing. In the concept, it was life-changing because mm -hmm. that's what led to this whole new understanding to me of disease formation. I published on that. I can explain to it. To me, it, it changes our understanding of disease formation. And it's a mother one day, we're going back maybe like 12 years ago. It's a mother who had a daughter with um, a, uh, sp a spinal myopathy. So it was a condition where it was genetic. So the, the girl had two aunts with the same problem, completely paralyzed in a wheelchair. The child had never walked, had never stood up on her own. And, uh, and the doctor said, it's, it's never going to get better. It's only going to decline. So the mother asked me, can releasing stem cells, can, can this product help? And I said, it won't because you're going to release stem cells that have the same genetic problem. Yep. So it's not going to help, obviously. She says, can I try it? I mean, it's a free world, you know. Of course you can try it if you want to try it. So she tried it. Three weeks later, I get an email. For the first time, her daughter stood up. 
gives you goosebumps, huh? Three weeks later, another email, she's starting to walk. And then she went to school with the other kids. The only way for me to explain this case is that you bring fresh new cells that have the genetic problem. They will degenerate. You've stopped nothing to the, pro the disease process if you want. But if you can repair faster than the degeneration, then you bring some level of functionality. Right. So no, you will not change anything whatsoever to the problem if it's genetic. However... There are times when by putting more stem cells in circulation, you can bring a level of repair that can bring some benefits linked to quality of life. Correct. Well, it's almost like that stem cell already carries a problem and it already knows that it needs fixing. In, in well, sense. it will repair. It will re Wherever the problem is, it yeah. will repair. The yeah. question is once that stem cell has become a muscle cell, that muscle cell has a genetic defect. Yeah. It will die much sooner than other other muscle cells in a normal person which is myopathy so 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 but if you can repair faster than they die yeah. then you maintain a form of functionality and then hmm. I, I, would I mean think it's, it's just it theory. makes sense you, it makes sense it makes sense though and then it, you would think they would give them because what from what we read before on mitochondria though like mitochondria is like the dna can change mm -hmm. right so then i'm thinking you get because of this process if you're releasing and repairing quicker you might give the <coughs> mitochondria a chance to to change its dna well you, you because now you're changing the whole environment and that's the only way you, that you, you can you could it's not something that it's I'm sure sure. but see this is this is kind of what i think you answered what i was thinking like the on off switch like let's say it's mutated right it had you have the ability to change your dna through mutation throughout a lifestyle right mm -hmm. like i mean we do, I mean, it, we do with radiation <laughs> radiation Correct. can mutate your dna Correct. right and it shortens your telomeres it breaks it apart and you essentially have your dna made up of amino acids mm -hmm. right so it's now it gets into the, the amine bases nucleotides amino ba yes yeah. nucleotides right so whenever you have uh a genetic issue that allows your body to have more degeneration like you said any cell you're going to make after that is automatically going to have a little bit of degeneration no matter how much you try to repair your body and stay ahead of the process. Because that's part of your code. Because that's part of your code. <clears throat> if if any of that changes in your code took place at the level of the bone marrow, because that new cell that comes in new tissue cells does not borrow the characteristics of the surrounding cells. It becomes a tissue cell according to its own DNA. So that is a new cell... Ah. So, so that makes sense. Okay. So, how much, how much that epigenetics applies also to stem cells? I don't know. So then, in theory, the support should be given to bone marrow, and mm -hmm. and, a, and a, like a supplementation aspect of like basically being able to give you the nutrients needed to Correct. make healthy stem cells, which Correct. is where you're going with the blue algae. Well. It, it's again keep in mind this is a new field okay sure. so it's 20 years old by now but but it's it's it's, new. <laughs> it's, it's really new in, in the world of research of course so there's a lot of things that we have taken over the years that we know over the years that has some health benefits and we had no clue that one of the mechanism of action was because of its effect on stem cells of course so more we dig more we discover that's why for example the product i developed is 
is made of plants that I've studied that do, do exactly one thing. They stimulate the release of your own stem cells. Yeah. But release is one aspect. So you go back in the literature and you can find, for example, once you have released them to support their proliferation in the bone marrow, resveratrol has been documented mm -hmm. to do that, for example. Yep. Resveratrol has been documented to assist the, the stem cells and their ability to transform, morph into some specific tissue cells. Uh, and as we dig more, we will find growth, human growth hormone will support the proliferation of stem cells. Ginseng will also, some Panax notoginseng, the original ginseng, will shift the, the, the concentration of specific growth factors it, between your blood and your bone marrow to drive the movement of stem cells into the blood. There, there's, and all of this is uncovered the more we go. So my point is, what I've worked on was at first specifically focusing on releasing stem cells because in the science available and in the scientific literature what has been studied the most is the link between the number of stem cells in your blood and your ability to repair but of course stem cells you release them they need to proliferate in your in your bone marrow there's a lot of dimensions to to, to the bone marrow other compounds can support the bone marrow itself i also think about receptors are there stem cell receptors I mean, again, we're just hoping because well, because 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 essentially everything's a receptor. Everything's a receptor. Yeah. Stem so so can, let me ask the question in this way: Can something block those receptors? Of course. What can block those receptors? Well, let, let me let me take it a little bit broader than this. Okay, um, you have on stem cells receptors to all kinds of things. Uh, that will guide them in their role, like like they have a receptors for a specific molecule released by an injured tissue. You get inflammation somewhere. The, those inflammatory compounds trigger inflammation, but one of the things that they do is that they will connect to a stem cell that will trigger the expression on the membrane of the stem cells uh, of adhesion molecule that will make the stem cells stop in the blood flow and cross and get into the tissue. What's that like? Stop right here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that process is fascinating in itself, but that's one type of receptors. Stem cells have receptors for dopamine, norepinephrine. Most of the neurotransmitter that your brain releases, stem cells have receptor for them. So when you say that you can, with visualization with your brain, you can help repair, I mean, your neural circuitry is all there, existing, well-documented, the work has never been done to show that when you heal with your mind, it's because of the stem cells. But the whole circuitry is there to basically say, it makes a lot of sense to say that you're just guiding your stem cells yeah, you're just to a specific a area. All of this happens because of receptors that are on those stem cells. Can you block these receptors? I mean, the, the science of receptors is, is at, at once extremely complex and at the same time, so many unknowns. You know, what will affect receptors? Let me t describe one of them, stress. <laughs> You take a person, those studies were done. They were not done in people. They were done in, in rats or mice. But you take a, a, a person, like I, I take you and I, take a, I, I watch a good movie that you like. Or we talk about a, a topic that makes you feel like really good, okay? Then I take a blood sample. And then I start to talk about another topic, your tax return, you know? And suddenly it's just like, it just generates like a lot of anxiety, okay? Mm -hmm. Then I take another blood sample. And if I looked at the ability of your stem cells in your blood to proliferate or to migrate in tissues, meaning to have the receptors to respond to the signal from the tissue, the density of these receptors are shut down. And now your stem cells are unable to migrate effectively into your tissue. So if you live with stress, 
then you may release stem cells. But during all the years that you live with anxiety, your ability to repair is reduced. Welcome to modern life. You know, who doesn't live with anxiety? Well, so the, it's one, the, I mean, I get, I many get angles I we get can that. talk about. Well, what's crazy that. about it is that it goes back to the same thing. Whenever we talk about any subject in health, it always goes back to stress or sugar, probably it, because it's a stressor. Uh, but but the idea that like why would you even have time to repair if you need to run away? Yeah, that <laughs> is like let's go do more damage until yeah. we get safe and then we can repair, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. the whole point of it, and which is. Hmm. But I like that, right? Like you're because you're saying you're looking at inflammation as a whole, right? So we've always talked about that any type of stress. You talk about stress. Uh, people think negative emotional stuff. I think like physical stress. I think like wear and tear running. I think of yeah. sugar, chemical stress, right? you'll lead to inflammation and then eventually that leads to a disease, right? You just fill in the blank here, right? Well, that situation you just said, where you sit in that inflammation, the longer period of time means your body gets adapted to that mold. Imagine it's like the signals are going off for inflammation. Like you said, there's some that are going to be turned off, which is interesting because there is a, a range, like an increase of spike of inflammatory signals at first. Think about cytokines. Right, we've talked about this in the last couple of years. You have cytokines that are almost signals to say release more of this, and we've always looked from the immune response to say release more white blood cells. You know, neutrophils, right? Lymphocytes, monocytes. I'm imagining that there's stem cell monocytes, there's stem cell lymphocytes, or is there lymphocytes alongside the stem cells? Lymphocyte is a big class. Among your lymphocyte, you have a class called the monocytes. Within that class of monocytes. One of the of the very narrow population are stem cells, so so they are a type of monocytes. So can can stem cells like like there's macrophages? Yeah. Right. So does like the phagocytosis? I think is one of the things it uh-huh. does. Mm-hmm. Is that what stem cells do as well? No, they won't. They morph. That's all they do. They morph. That's so all. So there's they no do. detox component. None. As a stem cell. As a stem cell. But it can Once morph it into something. Once it becomes a tissue. Or... So yeah. could it morph into a white blood cell? Like Not we talked about before, at the very origin, you have, like, say, the mother stem cells. Yeah. But then it branches into a hematopoietic that will make blood cells and mesenchymal that will make tissue cells. So a cell that you release, let me put it this way. Yeah. All the studies that we have done with releasing stem cells, quantifying more stem cells in the bloodstream after consuming certain plant extract. We have never seen any significant change in immune parameters. Other lymphocytes, natural killer cells, B cells, T cells, whatever. We don't see a huge effect on these populations. We see specifically stem cells increasing. So stem cells behave differently. It's in the same class. I mean, lymphocyte between you and I is just, is just you know, it's a cell that yeah. was... Uh, but I'm trying to look at the classification because it's weird. Like you, <clears throat> if you're thinking about it, it's, it's um, if you look at metabolism, for example, we look at the mitochondrial and it goes back to the idea about oxidative stress, mm-hmm. right? Like you have a stem cell that essentially is going to go in a circulatory consistent motion as its own system of free radical production, oxidative stress, the same way like the mitochondria would, right? So like that mitochondria, the way it makes energy is it has to produce water and free radicals. I mean, that's what it has to do. So by Mm -hmm. byproduct of us releasing stem cells on a constant basis, there has to be a downfall, right? And I think at that point, you looked at like the degeneration. I go back to the genetics. If you have genetics, that's one way that's going to bring you down quickly. If you have an infection and inflammation that you're constantly sitting in, 
it's like basically two birds, one stone right there. The stem cell production of it is going to be constant for almost addressing both of those, right? Because you have constant wear and tear that you're going to have to repair, which is mesenchymal production. And then I keep I keep forgetting the name of the, the blood uh, cell one. But if you have that one as well, then you're also having to battle constant stress through the forms of pathogens and, 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 inflamex, and infections, right? Let me take you, your analogy there. You've got, you've got, if you've got, if you're sitting in inflammation in any location in the body, because yes. location, inflammation is not vague. It, it comes from one place. Right. There's, there's a number of cells that are dysfunctional or injured, and then they release cytokines, inflammatory cytokines. Yes. These cytokines will attract stem cells to that area. When the stem cells come to that area, it will do a number of things. First, it will suppress the inflammation because you cannot repair and have inflammation at the same time. Stem cells, stem cells are extremely anti-inflammatory. Anti extremely anti-inflammatory. Probably the most anti-inflammatory part of your body, but it's not systemic. It will go exactly to the place where you have inflammation and it will, it will reduce inflammation in that location. Then it will repair the tissue. So your tissue will stop releasing cytokines for inflammation. So now the cells that are left there in that healthier tissue will, in the best case scenario, will go through apoptosis, will die, mm -hmm. and will simply be replaced. And now you've got a new healed tissue. Wow. So they don't repair the existing cells. They will trigger apoptosis so that they go away. And then your new cells fills the spot with new cells because your stem cells are full telomeres. So it, it, it duplicates, sorry, it, it, it morphs and then duplicates and then repair the well, tissue. And, and yes. that's why you get back into the in, in, into fasting, right? Because it, it, it does trigger apoptosis. F fasting will trigger a, a, autophagy and then a and, or if, if the cell cannot really clean itself properly, then one, one exit route to autophagy is apoptosis. But just to clarify, if the stem cell goes back and repair, doesn't repair, yeah, repairs it, um, it will still repair the cell back into its genetically mutated it will original not form. It will not repair the cell. It will replace the cell. Ah, okay. So it does not repair a cell. It's, it's, it's a it repair replaces. mechanism. Yeah. But it's so not if, it, yeah. if it replaces that cell, then that cell no longer has the potential to be a mutated cell, like, like do the genetic <clears throat> issues, like for example? No, it will. I mean... I mean, we're, we're getting into a lot of speculation here. I'm thinking of like taking the, what we know and then tr sort to project here what, what sure, the tissue would do. The stem cells will repair the overall tissue and in a healthier environment, that disease cells is likely to be taken out either by a macrophage, by a, by a natural killer cell, a neutrophil or apoptosis. That cell will be taken out. If right. it cannot be properly repaired, right, 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 which is what is happening to all your cells that anyway, that have a yeah. dysfunction that, that is irre irreparable. Yeah, technically they're taken out. Yeah, of course, right, right. That's what would happen. Right, and the key here is that there is a way to help your body release more. That's the point. Stem cells, so that the, so that you're you're on the plus side of the of the yeah. battle. Yeah, in, in let, I mean, we talk about inflammation here. Let, let me go one step further because we live in this COVID era, so it's an interesting discussion. You don't, COVID is not the problem. You know, it's, it's your immune reaction mm -hmm. to it. And then there's the famous cytokine storm that is generated by, what is a cytokine storm? It's a local inflammation that is too, too big for what can be handled locally. And it triggers cellular death around that tissue. And then you suffer the consequence of that. Mm -hmm. If a stem cells is 
anti-inflammatory at the foci of tissue damage, then the stem cells will go in that tissue, shut down the inflammation, repair the tissue, so you have none of those kinds of consequence. So, and I'm saying this because right now there's a number of studies, three or four that I'm aware of, where they simply inject stem cells, which is an in you increase the number of circulating stem mm -hmm. cells through an injection, and people in ICU within a matter of like a day or two are released okay. and they're fine. Yeah. So, so there's there's very good indication here, and and it's a, of 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 how stem cells can help conditions like this, and it is just to underscore their immense anti-inflammatory properties. So when they migrate in any tissue, the first thing they do, calm down that process. That's, so I have a, a, another question then, um, like the monoclonal antibodies, mm -hmm. okay? Is there any type of connection, relationship to that type of, because I look at like therapies, like what you just talked about right now is what we had heard about two years ago with like exosomes, mm -hmm. okay? Because yep. it's tissue repair. Correct. So in theory, you <clears throat> shoot in there, it's going to go to lung tissue. It's going to go to heart tissue. Yeah. Wherever they, the damage is Wherever happening. the damage is occurring. Correct. Okay. But that's mesenchymal. That was strictly mesenchymal, right? Yeah. Very specific for it. But then you heard about uh, people who were donating blood, and they were saying, do you want to check to see if you have antibodies? And they were saying, we can take these antibodies and then give it to someone else, and then they can make antibodies off these antibodies. Almost basically because they build up their immune system this way. And this is kind of how the initial thought of giving and donating plasma to someone else was going to help them. I don't know if this is completely... You mean the COVID? Yes, and the, yes, yes. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what we heard about two years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know... I don't know I don't know if there's a connection to all this, if this is making sense or not, but like, I don't know if it's in the same realm. I don't think they're in the same realm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah monoclonal antibodies are sort of a different story. Um yeah, because they, they're, because they're antibodies themselves, right? I mean, that's this. I what mean, is antibodies themselves? So, like, well, that's what I'm trying to wonder exactly, uh -huh. right? Like, so if you produce an antibody, you you produce like almost like this inflammatory cell that now I don't know if it necessarily attacks it, but it causes signals to then have a, a tissue be attacked. So, for example, like you have, well, you also have antibody against the antigen. So, for example, let's say. Uh, you produce antibody against an infection, a pathogen. You can produce, like, say, hey, this virus comes in. You produce an antibody to a virus before, like chickenpox or something. We're going to take the antibody out of that blood from that person and then give it to them, and then they'll keep antibodies. And then essentially they'll be <clears throat> uh, get a little bit of protection, in theory, from that virus infection, right? That That's what I've thought of that, that happens with the antibody theory. Yeah. I mean, it's not my expertise here, but to my understanding, you you transfer plasma that contains the antibody for whatever pathogen here we're talking about the covid virus these antigens or these antibodies will go and and attach to the to the virus and the moment that you have an antibody attached to something your own immune cells the immune cells of the recipient uh -huh. uh, will then immediately they don't have to spend time analyzing the pathogen wondering is it a pathogen how am i going to handle it the sure. moment it's attached to an antibody kill it so, so you suddenly speed up. You take an immune reaction that is slow to a virus, and you suddenly speed it up by having the presence of these antibodies. To me, that's that's the benefit of transferring plasma of somebody that that has these antibodies. Gotcha. So, where do this? What do? So then, at this point, then but stem cells but, don't have anything to do with it. Yeah, that. but then it has nothing to no, do. No, with stem but cells. but I'm thinking like then afterwards, what you would do is you have to go and repair that damage. Correct. Right, you that's to, when they would come. That's in. when yeah. you come in because you have to. You basically replace that cell again that has been mutated, damaged, and 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 
like detoxed out of there, right? I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. The, when your immune cell comes, attacks the virus, and, and these cells talk to a degree where we're basically just starting to understand that, right. that communication. Right. Cytokines are released to attract stem cells to that area. So That's all they definitely, do. Yeah. if you put more stem cells in circulation, they will move to that area and will work with the immune cells. I mean, side by side. Yes, of course. Immune cells comes to an area, detect the, inju- the, the the invasion if you want by bacteria, whatever. Will release compounds to attract stem cells. These stem cells will come in when the immune reaction is complete. Will suppress the activity of the immune cells because immune cells tr- also secrete inflammation compounds. Sure. Because you want juice into the area for immune cells to swim rapidly and really move around. So you need to have, you know, liquid in your tissue is is how cells circulate. But once you've had your immune response, now you need to reduce that. So stem cells coordinate a lot of an immune response. So in biochemistry, I'm trying to think about this right now, and maybe we can get into this and geek out on this. Um, So you mentioned anti-inflammatory. I think about antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how I think of, uh, in terms of, of science, uh, biochemistry. I mean, glutathione, mm-hmm. N-acetylcysteine, right? Taurine. Those things are antioxidants that are produced out of the liver in response to inflammation. That's how mm-hmm. we've always looked at it, right? If you're going to have a chronic uh, inflammatory... But they're going to go in there and clean up. They're going to go in there and clean up. So the other thing is they're working side by side, in mm-hmm. theory as well, right? In theory... There, there, There is a very... I mean, it's almost like inflammation and oxidative stress are hand in hand they in the body. Hand, they, right? they go yeah. together, but they're different. But they are together. But they're like different pathways occurring Correct. to the cell. Like So there's Correct. like three different things occurring to the cell, and then the body has mm. to respond to those three different things with three different systems. You can have inflammation without oxidative stress. You will not because they're together, but you have inflammatory compounds that do not, they're not inflammatory because they are free radicals. But they would be acute. Correct. They wouldn't be chronic. Uh, you wouldn't want no, them to be. I mean, they, they can be they chronic. Can be, but, they can but, be chronic. But they, they most likely in a healthy individual, they're acute. Let me put it this way. You release interleukin-6 yes. as one of those compounds. That's it's right. Not, it's not a free radicals. It can be a chronic element of, an infl- of a chronic inflammation. So let me ask you But this you one. will have free radicals in that foci of inflammation. This is beautiful. So they're together. I, this is a great uh, lead-in. Okay, so interleukin-6 is one of those biomarkers <laughs> that you can yeah. look at for chronic inflammation, Correct. right? I think it's a better marker uh, than HSCRP, mm-hmm. which is a traditional test to look at chronic inflammatory uh, mm-hmm. disease. Um, High-sensitivity CRP fluctuates. It's very volatile, right? Mm-hmm. Is interleukin-6 the same way? Uh, Does that make I, sense? I, I don't think it has it fluctuates as much, but CRP is a byproduct of inflammation. Interleukin six is the inflammation. Is the the signal? It is the inflammation. It's so a signal for inflammation. So at this point, when it is released, how much is it released in terms of acute to subacute chronic inflammation terms? Because from what we imagine, from a biochemical standpoint, you mix in like signals, right? Hormones. Hormones are just signals too. But mm-hmm. imagine you have tons of cortisol and norepinephrine being produced, right? Mm-hmm. You're in uh, sympathetic mode, right? So if you're in sympathetic mode, you're over-firing your metabolism, which means you're over-methylating, you're over-sulfonating, uh, right? And then your oxidative stress may or may not be there at first because this is happening within like five, 10 minutes of you working out, 
right? Mm-hmm. So this is a normal response. You're going to produce normal amounts of stem cells, uh, uh, inflammatory signals to combat the inflammation, and then have the detox systems to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a healthier person, I imagine. Yeah, and it's and it works fine. And it works fine. However, there's a certain threshold where you cross over and say now it becomes subacute inflammation, and what happens is, like Baldo said, you sit in it, mm-hmm. and then what happens is you need a higher demand. From Mm -hmm. all those three pathways and systems, right? Antioxidant production, stem cell production, and even the white blood cell Mm -hmm. uh, uh, signal production, right? Interleukin-6 at this point, going back to that question, where is interleukin-6 in this whole timeline? Let let me answer it in a slightly different way, not specifically about interleukin-6, but the fact that what you describe works well with with a, a a healthy person, active person, who will go and do something that will generate inflammatory signals that are completely normal in the body or or free radicals, and it will clean them up, and everything comes back to homeostasis. Mm-hmm. However, in today's life, that kind of ideal situation is not <laughs> does not really exist. Okay? <laughs> so you've got. Um, um, components coming i don't know if you saw that that movie um it came out not too long ago dark waters talking about teflon okay oh yeah yeah so everybody has teflon in their blood your body cannot eliminate it and it is it it triggers a lot of of it it is not healthy for you so my my point here is that it's a carcinogen and then others It, it, it triggers a lot of things uh which is likely associated with inflammation and and i'm raising i'm using this example just to to broaden it you take i read a study and unfortunately i can't find it back but uh it was probably about 10 years ago when they compared the blood sample of our grandfathers to what would be the blood sample of a of a person today and the conclusion is that you have an average of about 300 compounds yeah. that did not exist in the blood of our ancestors these compounds are plastic bio fuel residues whatever that your liver and your body does not have the biology it to eliminate to it yeah it's, it's not adapted to it so they they linger in there we don't know what they do for a lot of them. We know some of what they do. The one thing that we're sure is that the end result of their action is free radicals and inflammation. So we, we, we have it, okay? So we produce more inflammation than we should. Mm-hmm. We sit all day working in a computer and then we go to the gym to compensate for the eight hours that you were sitting on a chair. At the end, it, we're not made that way. Your biology is made that it, the the best way to cleanse your tissue, I mean, your blood circulates into your tissue to bring oxygen, nutrients, and everything. Your cells, so the leak, these nutrients leak from your blood, get into your tissue, and through the phenomena, phenomenon of osmosis, brings lymph with it, plasma. So now this plasma goes into your tissue to bring all these nutrients. Your cell use them, creates metabolite. How do you drain these tissue? It's your lymphatic circulation. But you don't have a second heart to pump your lymphatic circulation. How does it move? You pump your blood. But how do you move your lymph? Muscle contraction. It's the only thing that moves your lymph. Your lymph vessels are made to, resp- to, to work with pressure. You squeeze it, it moves. You relax, it doesn't go back. So you squeeze it in one direction. So you need muscle contraction. You need muscle contraction all day long in order to cleanse and wash all these tissues. If you don't do that, it sits there. How can you not develop all these little pain and aches every day? Yeah, that it's are, like exactly. Away. It's every, you get them in the morning and you know it's like everywhere. And if it has been everywhere or many places in your body 
for a little bit of time, you cannot avoid sitting into systemic inflammation. It leaks and now it's everywhere. It's your bloodstream. And now you go and then you measure interleukin cysts in your blood. Where does it come from? It comes from all these places yep. where inflammation has been generated at a foci at one place, then near neighboring places, and then it leaks and now it's in your blood everywhere. And then you get diagnosed with six different things. Which All is, kinds of things. things. Which is incredible. So <laughs> it's a systemic deal. It, it's at, a systemic. This, at this point, it's systemic chronic inflammation. Correct. And now let's link it back to stem cells because it's a fascinating part of what stem cells do. Let, let's go a little bit in detail. I hope it's not... I love it. Too, no, too, no, no, do, no, it, no, do, do it. Do it. Because it, it, it's necessary for the explanation. Your your blood system is made of pipes, okay? It's it's like, think of, of uh, the train system, okay? You have railways everywhere, but you can embark on the train only on the platform on the train station. That's the only place you can get on the train. If you're on the train and you don't stop at a train station, you're stuck on the train, okay? So stem cells are in your blood. The only place where they can leave the blood to go into the tissue is at one specific place called the post-capillary venule. It's when your capillary that brings oxygenated blood shift into a a small vein that is your return. Mm -hmm. Right at that junction, Mm -hmm. that is where there is a machinery for cell migration out of the blood into the tissue. Why? It's because at that area, your vessel is small enough so that your cell is bouncing constantly on the walls where it can grip. Outside of that, it's like you swimming in a, in a, in a wide river. You can't stop. You know, you're just carried by the flow. So you need that, that, that closeness, if you want, with the walls. But also, the, the capillaries have muscles around them. Veins don't have muscles around them. So you have a high-pressure system that suddenly dumps into a low-pressure system. What happens when you have this immediate shutdown, fall of pressure? Turbulence, whirlwind. It's like a river dumping into a calm lake. Right there, there's movement. So that movement on the stem cell is the signal for the stem cell to listen. Am I receiving signal of injury in this place? And if there is, the stem cell stops, cling to the wall, and then migrate across the capillary. That area contains the machinery for cellular migration. Once that stem cells have been triggered for cellular migration, it has lost what it has on its membrane for migration. So now think about going back into the systemic circulation, big, wide vessels, arteries, arterioles, big thing. Cell, a stem cell cannot migrate in these. It's not where it migrates. But I have inflammation. I have the signal for migration at a place where it cannot migrate. So the stem cell reacts, prepare for migration. There's no capillary wall around. It keeps going. When it arrives at the place where it should migrate, it no longer has the molecules to migrate. It spent it, spent all of them elsewhere in your circulation. And, and so the stem cell is there in your blood, but cannot do its job of repair. And we, I started to look into this whole process because earlier on in our research, so I'm going back 2000, 2002, 2003, we had access to a population of Alzheimer's patients. And at the time, my thought was there has to be a link between the number of stem cells in circulation and disease formation. People who develop degenerative disease have fewer stem cells in their blood circulation. We can come back to that later. It is true across the board, except for Alzheimer's. So we are studying these patients of Alzheimer's, and we discover 
It's the reverse. The people with advanced Alzheimer's have more stem cells. It was completely against everything that I thought at the time. But because what we found in Alzheimer's is there was a link between the degree of Alzheimer's development and general inflammation marker and, and oxidative stress in the blood. So the more advanced, the more inflammation, the more oxidative stress. And when we looked at the stem cells, they had lost the molecule that they need to respond to the tissue. So they're there in the, bra in the blood. The brain calls for more stem cells, but they can't migrate. So, so basically, there's so many signals of because of the inflammation. Uh -huh. So the stem cells are getting there, but then once they get there, like, what else do we do? They get there, they have lost. Okay, let me put it this way. Like they don't, you, we just, they don't know okay. where to go, right? Imagine a stem cell. I'm simplifying here in the way yeah. that, that is almost ridiculous, but just to make sure. it understood. Let's say, let's say you have two arms, okay? But if, if you grab something, you will lose that arm within a matter of seconds, and then you will grow another one eventually, okay? <laughs> so you're in the river, and your, your desire, you want to leave the river. So if you're in a large river, it's, it's difficult because the moment yep. you end up into a small one and you start to touch the shore, ah, you, grab, you grab a branch on the shore, okay? Yeah. And, then, and then you grab, great. Now you grab with both hands and then you walk out of the river. Now let's say I throw a bunch of logs in the middle of the big river. Oh, you hit a log. Oh, you grab the log. But it's, it, <laughs> there's nothing that can happen. You, you cannot cross. There's no cellular wall, uh, capillary wall. So you grab another one and then you lose your arms. And now you're floating into that, sorry, you're floating into this, into this river and you've lost your two arms. So now when you touch the small river, the small uh, creek where you could leave, you have no arms to leave. You no longer can. You're carried into the venous circulation. That's it. You've lost right where you can migrate. So then that's why you're seeing that they have more stem cells. They have more stem cells. They're just... No arms. Yeah. They have now, lost what there is they... A, so, by the way, this is the book that, mm -hmm. that, uh, that you It's read, all in there. Cracking the stem yeah. cell. There was an analogy on here. Oh, man. It, it just reminded me on it, but I remember do liking it a lot. Because like, once it gets there, it starts to crawl to, yeah. this, to the site. Correct. Right, so it's like it gets because of the capillaries, it gets to the tissue. Correct. And then, how does it know, or how does it get to the part of the tissue that needs repair? Is that it basically crawls because of the arms? Correct. But then, if it has no arms, then it's basically Dead stuck on. at the port. DOA. Correct. DOA. It's stuck there. Stuck in the water. There's Actually, it's not stuck. It carried away. It's carried away. It's gone. Ah, oh, because the blood oh, will take it. The, the blood continues. To, yeah. The, yeah. You, yeah. The, they've the cells have no. Swimming abilities, you know. So then, do we the do flow. we pee it out eventually? Do we pee out stem cells? No, no, no. The stem cells will will stay into your blood into your blood circulation if you want. If they don't migrate out, so they will go back into your venous circulation. They will recirculate. Oh, go back to your. So to your and then and after a while, they will regrow these arms. And if they don't find a place where to go, they just own back to the bone marrow. They go back to the bone. So marrow. could you? I, go ahead. Well, go for because mine's completely different. Well, just, I was gonna say because. Does that mean that stem cells could be plaque then? Plaque? You no. mean with plaque? Yeah. No, no. The plaque is is much bigger than than a cell. No, right. no, it won't be. So, like when you're traveling through, because I'm I'm going back to the the thickness of like the carotid like uh -huh. you know int in, intima uh, right like something like that like if you have an overgrowth <clears throat> of that right then I'm guessing the stem cells go to the overgrowth and continue that overgrowth. No, no, no. No. This, this is a fascinating part of this whole stem cell story. When I started all of this, I thought stem cells will grow tissue so they can worsen if you want atherosclerosis bone, yeah, right, bone, right. Uh, bone growth and things like this no they restore a healthy tissue that can then take care of these we have seen 
bone growth remove. But, but with atherosclerosis, it is one of the most documented link between low level of stem cells and atherosclerosis. Why? It's very simple. What is the cause of atherosclerosis? At, at the very, very, very core, at the, in, the initial phase of atherosclerosis is a normal injury that happens all the time in your arteries that does not repair. Yep. It becomes a site of infiltration mm -hmm. by foam cells linked to oxidized cholesterol. Yes. And then those foam cells infiltrate and start to produce inflammatory compounds. And then it triggers the whole cascade that leads to inflammation, forming of plaque, forming of calcification, and that's the beginning of atherosclerosis. If you heal and repair that injury at the start, none of it happens. So, so there's an article, for example, uh, published by one of the key researchers in that area. The title of the article is Atherosclerosis is caused by a deficiency of in, in, endogenous repair, your ability to repair every day linked to your stem cells. It's that simple. Well, because under that same light, under that same question, we had asked you the last time we talked about, like, well, does, will it grow more cancer? No, no. It, no, I, and I want to yeah. get into this because it's yeah. a very popular subject. What's the same subject, theory that you just said, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's different. It, it's a different, cancer on its own, it, it's a different thing. But yes, it's the same concept that they will not participate to overgrowth. They restore our tissue should simply work. And uh, going back to what you were telling before uh, about this migration, let me just tell the story because I think it's a no, cool, no, no, it's, when it's you a think about how your body is designed, all I can say after now 15, 20 years after our original suggestion, you know, proposition here that stem cells are the repair system, you just hope that science will confirm some of your ideas. It, it, the science has not confirmed it. Science has confirmed it and then pushed it so much further. It's so sophisticated. It's beautiful. So, so you've got your stem cells that circulate into your blood. Now, it gets into this area, this post-capillary venule, venule, and then the stem cells listen to the tissue. Is, am I in a tissue where there are these inflammatory markers? And if there are one, and the main one is stromal factor 1, SDF1. FDF1 is there, it connects to the receptor on the stem cells, and immediately the stem cells will express adhesion molecule and will stop, will cling to the circulation, to the capillary wall. When those adhesion molecules have entered into action, it triggers another, the step two in the cells. The cell will secrete enzymes that will digest the attachment between two to epithelial cells of the capillary. It makes a hole. After that, the stem cell will express other adhesion molecule that will make the cell send part of a, like a vacuole, like part of a, 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 a pseudopod, they call yeah. it, like a leg. So it will, it will put part of itself through that hole and will slowly put all of its content through that pseudopod, that leg, and then will end up on the other side of the capillary wall. Once it, it's in the tissue, now the third step comes in. Now it's another round of adhesion molecule for one specific molecule, hyaluronic acid. So, which is your, your soft skeleton, skeleton. All your tissues are made of collagen and hyaluronic acids. And so the stem cell will have a specific adhesion molecule that will then grab to this soft skeleton of, the, of your tissue and will literally walk. By walk, I mean it will grab and now that adhesion molecule will shed grow another one will shed and one step at a time the stem cell crawls following the where this 
SDF1 molecule is secreted by the injury. That's how the stem cells will go to the site of the injury. It's because it makes little legs, one at a time, to the site of the injury. When it arrives at the site of the injury, it will not go beyond because if it goes beyond, the concentration comes from there. So it'll walk back right to that back. area. When it arrives there, that's where the injury is. And so then you've, it sits. So you've <laughs> well, you've got cells that are damaged. So these cells that are damaged, they release debris. So now that's the signal for the stem cell when it arrives there in the presence of these debris to start its process of multiplying. One stem cells can become several thousand tissue cells and they will then identify, for example, you've got what you've got in the liver, you've got albumin, for example, mm -hmm. which is a protein specific to the liver. So if the stem cells goes there and detects albumin, then it will go in, it will touch a receptor, go to the nucleus of that stem cells, turn the switch to activate the genes to make it be a liver cell, and that stem cell will become a liver cell. And then you're repairing that area of that tissue with the cells of that tissue. I mean, it's, it's such a I, beautiful I process. I love the way that uh, the explanation of, of that, when it was like a liver cell in water, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then it was a, a damaged liver cell? Correct. It, it's a, it's a, I use that study even in the lecture. I, I keep using that. It's an old, well, old study, 2003. Uh, it's old today, but, but to me it gives a, a fabulous explanation, okay? Here we are in 2022, and we have forever, you know, have this process in our body, we can travel to Mars. We can put cameras in your blood to film. You can film your living brain. And we just discovered today that we have stem cells that can repair. And we've never seen that before. <laughs> Something that is now today so obvious, so easy to show. Why did we not <clears throat> see it? And that study give, illustrates that. So it's a study in which scientists took uh, two beaker, one into the other, like glasses, okay, one into the, into the other one, but the bottom of one of those glasses has a semi-permeable membrane, meaning it will, the holes are too small to allow the passage of cells, but small enough to allow the passage of molecules. On the top one, they put stem cells. In the bottom one, they put a piece of damaged liver. And then you wait. And then after eight hours, the cells at the top are started to transform into liver cells. So it's, it's molecules coming from the injured liver that tells the stem cells to wow. become liver. That's but the, 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 the beauty of that study is that the process is invisible. If you take a sample of a tissue and you look at it on the microscope, it's either you have immune cells into your liver or you have a liver cell. You cannot tell that that cell is a stem cell. It, the, the process is invisible unless you can tag the cell. <laughs> if you put, let's say, a color in that cell, and that's what they do, they do with, with green fluorescent protein, you make that stem cell green, and then you end up with a green liver cell. Now you can tell that liver cell was a stem cell before. Once you start to use this process, you reveal something that is like everywhere in your body. We did one of these studies. We completely damage a muscle in a mouse. Gone. Six weeks later, the muscle is completely reformed. It's all green. All you, green. You, put a shed, you, you shed a green light on it, it fluoresces green. It's all made of stem cells. It's so, like, wow. So what's going on there is that you are adding this fluorescent protein? Correct. Into the stem cell? Yes. The well, gene for it. In, into like the code, genetic the, the, code. The gene for that protein in the stem cell so that that stem cells will continuously when, so make that, that protein. It, 
so, so when whenever it proliferates, it, it when it becomes a it thousand cells, all these cells do it, and if they transform into a liver cell, then they carry, they still have that green protein, so you can identify it. It becomes like child play. And, and so the, and super simple study. And so that's very much should be a. Um, how would you say that 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 should be a a, a quality of of a stem cell or because we can't do the green fluorescent thing mm-hmm. in humans right like is that correct yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> we'd have like the green goblin would be exactly would be exactly uh, you use blue you get the well, i thought that was crispr <laughs> i mean i mean crispr is, is a whole different yeah. thing yeah but um i i want to because i'm looking at the time here there's no rush but i i want to make sure that we do get to the supplement right because okay all this research that you have done, which is fantastic, led you to creating Correct. a supplement based on plants mm-hmm. from around the world. Correct. And I, I really want to hear that story again for the podcast and for the listeners about like how – what was it that you asked people? Like you were asking people for or, or other scientists, like uh-huh. what have you heard that heals a lot of things? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is that how it went? Correct. So, So we first – so I started to work with this aquatic botanical AFA, Klamath Lake Blue-Green Algae, and we discovered indeed it has a specific molecule that goes to the bone marrow and supports, trigger, whatever here, the release of stem cells from the bone marrow. So within about an hour after consumption, you get an increase of about 25%. It's short-lived, it lasts for maybe two hours, but you have an increase in the number of circulating stem cells. So you send stem cells into your bloodstream, and then these stem cells go into various tissues and they help repair. So it, it, it gave us the explanation why people would report benefits to the heart, the liver, the pancreas, to, to all these tissues. So it, it was great. So we launched this product in 2005, uh, and it sold for over the next 10, 12 years, uh, probably $400 million of it. So it was it was success worldwide. But, but as soon as we discovered that ingredient, then my next question was, if really stem cells are the repair system of the body, and we have evolved in symbiosis with the environment, no way there's only one plant in the world that has an effect on stem cells. Just like when you discover better carotene in carrots, well, no way carrots are the only source of it. Or think about this for any aspects of the biochemistry of nature. We cannot have just one plant. So how do you find these other plants? It, to me, it was a very simple question. What plant has been associated historically to a broad variety of health benefits? If a plant has been associated with benefits to the heart, the brain, the liver, the lungs... Well, then to me, it tells me, let's go and test that plant for its effect on stem cells. So through this questioning, we we went through probably about a dozen of these plants, either known globally uh, for being good for health, like goji berries, uh, ginseng, for example, medicinal mushroom. Interestingly enough, all of those that are polysaccharide-rich goji berry mushroom, they have an effect on the migration of stem cells, meaning you consume them, 20 minutes later, there's a drop in the number of stem cells that is concomitant. It's, it's, it, it's caused by an increase in the density, the number of the receptors that stem cells have to listen for an injury. So by increasing their ability to listen to an injury, obviously they're more effective at migrating, so they drop from the, blood, from the bloodstream. So that's why in the future, all products that I did, I blended a polysaccharide component with a, a, a plan that triggers the release of stem cells. But so we studied many and some that are fascinating in their stories. One is a specific species of aloe from Madagascar. Uh, so 
I met this biochemist, traveled to Madagascar for to study plants uh, that would be used by pharma for Alzheimer's and Parkinson. So I said, did you come across a plant that the healers uh, in Madagascar told you that this plant was good for many things? So he said, listen, nothing is good for everything. And I said, okay. I took a, a copy of my book and I sent him a copy of my book. He called me back two weeks later. He says, now I get what you mean. It's good for one thing, releasing stem cells, but that means it will be good for many things in people's experience. And he said, well, actually, I do have something. He said, on their last trip to Madagascar, their driver and guide and translator stopped on the way to the airport in a small village. He said, that's what you need to study. And he scooped a big, a big bag of these black beads and he says, that's what you need to study. Tell a scientist that's what you need to study. What does he do? You study it for what? You know, so, so thank you. You put it in his bag at home, you put it in his freezer and it stayed there for five years. So he sent me some of these beads, we tested them, and we got the, the strongest response that we have seen so far. So, and it happens to be a species of aloe that is endemic to Madagascar called aloe macroclata. So knowing how the indigenous people prepared these little pills that they use for liver problem, digestive problem, uh, in, repair from injury, uh, digestive, I said, uh, and, then, and then interestingly enough, when men age, after a certain age, you start to take this to prevent their hair from graying <laughs> and to stay healthy. And that's, interestingly enough, that's a, a common factor that I found in many products that support stem cells. They have been used for helping to reverse hair color or preventing graying of hair color. So stem cells can go and become melanocyte stem cells in your, in your air follicles wow. and can maintain air color. It's not necessary. It's not relevant to go there, <laughs> but, but to me, it's a sign. So, um, so we then, knowing how indigenous people do these small beads, uh, then we, we harvested aloe macroclata. We developed an extract from it, uh, and it's one of the ingredients that we have in, in stem regen. It's one with the best, the, the strongest response. So we have all the plants have those kind, that kind of story. That's fantastic. No, and it's funny because <clears throat> we were talking to Freddie. Well, I don't know if you were talking to him at the same time, and he had mentioned something about doing some stem cell uh, protocol with a few of his clients, and they all said the same thing about the, the their uh -huh. hair uh, not not being gray anymore. The uh, first the first time I heard this, and that was and uh -huh. that was like the most exciting thing that they got from <laughs> it. And it was a very short study that they was doing, and I don't even know what the product was. Uh, and but whenever I he heard you say that yeah. he's like you know what's funny is that I had a we had a study that we did and they all said something about like their hair not being gray anymore. I, I remember <laughs> what, after we had our first product and we put it on the marketplace, a number of people were telling me, you know, it's helping my my it was a network marketing company at the time, so people make share their testimonies, you know, their story, and they were saying, oh, my hair color is reversing, you know, to its natural hair color, and I would just tell them. The product is good enough. You don't have to make these stories. You know? <laughs> Reversing hair color, you know, it can be, you know. Sure. So anyway, so I, I didn't, I was annoyed by these kinds of stories. And at one point, a friend of mine came and he says, it, it's really happening to me. And he showed me pictures and I was really puzzled by it. So we went into a lab of cosmetology and they took pictures of the side of the head and the back of the head and they quantified through photometry the density of white. And fair enough, after six months, every single man in the study have about an average of about 19% reduction in, in the density of white in their hair. <laughs> so it, it, it's a good marker 
for products that have an effect on stem cells. But I get it. It's it's it's, it's belittling the it's, opportunity. No, I, correct. I, but yes, it's, but yes. see, it's that thing, and then it's also like, well, does it help testosterone? That's that's well, all. That's, 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 it's, help me, it's gonna help me lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. it you know, it's, it's <laughs> yes and no. But 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 in, interestingly enough, there's a yes to that answer because these plants have all been used for other things. Sure. We discover an effect on stem cells, but historically they were not used for that. So we've got a very interesting synergy in stem regen be, between two compounds. One, uh, not compounds, well, yeah, compounds, but two herbal extracts. The AFA extract, AFA is a source of PEA, phenylethylamine, known in chemistry as the molecule of love, the molecule of joy. If you're deficient in it, it transfers, it translates into low mood, mood swing, depression in adults, ADD in kids. Uh, and if you replenish PEA, it, 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 it lifts up, it's a mood elevator, documented actually as an antidepressant mm. in, the, in, the, in the scientific literature. Wellbutrin is a derivative of PEA. A, a very well-known antidepressant. Anyway, you've got that naturally in, P, in AFA, and it's one. It's the reason why so many people consuming AFA report this feeling of like well-being, enhancement of like mental clarity, that kind of thing. Uh, but PEA is short-lived in the body. It's destroyed by an enzyme called monoamine oxidase. So we have in seabuckthorn a natural monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So by blending the two, then you've got this really sort of feel-good effect. And PEA, most antidepressant will make you gain weight, except Wellbutrin. PEA, in terms of making you feel good, also act as an appetite suppressant. So I won't tell you it's a weight loss product, but I'll tell you if you're working for weight loss, it adds that edge to to this to you know to to your ability <laughs> because I'm saying this because many times I heard people say I don't know why but after starting to take this product it's not for weight loss I want this to be clear but they will say yeah I started to lose some weight so it can yeah be but for the, that. if you're feeling better it's just, like let's say you have injuries and you're starting to repair those and and like now you're exercising you move better more exactly you're better, all of it make, yeah it's all it's, it. it's all cyclical right it, it's, 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 it's more connected. holistic as an effect than than targeted like pharmaceutical yeah awesome. That's incredible. Uh, I wasn't expecting that weight loss part to be associated with <laughs> MAO. Like that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was well. Beechen was is uh, SNRI, right? Like so, it's like the neuroepinephrine aspect of it. Hence, well, butrin is is dopamine. Yeah, exactly. So, so then, what's interesting about it is. Uh, Initially, when we were taught that in school to prescribe Wellbutrin for an antidepressant, they said one of the great side effects is, is that they're going to actually lose some weight with Correct. this. With the antidepressants like the SSRIs, mm -hmm. you actually gain weight. And I, we were thinking before, I was like, oh, dopamine, serotonin, I guess, I don't know, maybe overeat your mood or something like that. But that's it's fascinating because uh, all those actually run off of uh, your autotomic nervous system response. So like your HPA access and all that. So... Uh, adrenal response is coming from the hypothalamus and the pituitary and all it's doing is kicking out dopamine out of your adrenals that eventually converts into norepinephrine that converts into adrenaline all that being said the dopamine thing also goes with uh the genetic issue of estrogen and so what we found here is hormones like estrogen and leptin and interleukin-6 all come from the same place and their signals and inflammatory response basically from a stress overload and so when you talk about the MAO and the weight loss aspect, I mean, you could say, well, insulin spikes cause inflammatory responses and weight gain, right? You can make the same case to say, yeah, if your neurotransmitters are not in balance, then your mood, your appetite, your metabolism will all be off, right? And then now, too, if you're saying if you don't have enough stem cells in circulation either, 
right? Then now you're also saying all these things have to be counterbalanced to each other because they're all traveling through the same bloodstream, right? They're all migrating to the places you need it the most. I imagine you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the blood circulating. This cardiologist said that the reason blood circulates is because the sun. The sun will electro, like give electricity, almost uh, electrical charge into these gel-like substances. And I think they're like a protein-like gel. Then it's in your blood. And it causes a charge and it causes them to circulate. And then they just move. And he says, we look at hypertension in a whole different light now. Because you're saying if someone has high blood pressure, their arteries are just squeezing. And maybe mm-hmm. they're thickened and they're just trying to get the blood going. And you've been stagnant sitting down all day. You know, it's the same thing with like the the arteries and not allowing the stem cells to even be able to get in. And then the drop in pressure, the osmotic pressure, the, I mean, the gradients, the ionization, the electrolyte balance, the mineral balance, they all go hand in hand. And it's interesting. I'll kind of leave you with this and we can, I don't know how much time we have left, but you, what I asked you first when you said, why stem cells, right? I asked you that. It's because it hits on every part of how the human body functions. Yes, but 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 it did not come from that angle. What it came from, quite frankly, I mean, imagine, it's really how it happened. Imagine yourself having to understand what a product is doing, and suddenly you get an article at a time when stem cells are not known to become other type of cells. I remember later on lecturing to a room of doctors and there's this older gentleman and I was talking about no stem cells can uh, differentiate into liver cells, pancreatics, and even brain cells. The data is there. And he stood up and he raises and he stood up and he says, he was an older guy and he says, son, I have to tell you something because it looks like nobody is telling you, but you're just an idiot. Stem cells cannot become brain cells. So we're at a time when this is the general traditional understanding. And then you get an article that says stem cells can become brain cells. Stem cells can become heart cells, liver cells. And then you start digging and you see that it's, then they, are, they look like they're the repair system. And now what you realize is that just by putting a little bit more, you can help the body repair. And the other thing that we did not talk, so let me make it quick if we're short on time, but it's the fact that we talked about this balance between you lose cells every day, you replace the cells that are being lost. If you have enough stem cells in your bloodstream, you can compensate for cellular loss, you're fine. You stay healthy. You do that when you're young very well. The problem is that your red marrow that makes stem cells transforms into yellow marrow fairly rapidly in your life. By age 30, you're left with about 5% of your original bone marrow. This is a drastic decline in how many stem cells are available to offset cellular loss. So, and that's the time when you start to age, okay? Because you no longer have enough stem cells. So the number of stem cells, not the num- the range in stem cell number between somebody that has a lot compared to somebody that has a little bit, of, a few stem cells, just like you count red blood cells in anybody, there's a range, there's a healthy range. You know, there's people with a lot, people with little. That range for stem cells is a hundredfold. In the people that we test, you know, there's a hundredfold difference. If you're into the lower end, when you start to decline very rapidly, you can no longer offset the, the, the cellular loss. So if cellular loss takes place in the, in the pancreas, well, it's diabetes. Yeah. It takes place in the brain's Parkinson. It takes place in the heart, it's heart disease. So all degenerative disease have as, as their common denominator 
a decline in how many stem cells you have in circulation. And now this was an idea. I published this in 2013. Now many of these studies have been done. That link exists. You count the number of stem cells in people with atherosclerosis, erectile dysfunction, heart disease, diabetes, Parkinson, kidney failure, liver degeneration. I mean, the list keeps growing. All of these people have on average, a little bit less than half the number of stem cells that you find in a healthy person. Once you see all of this, don't we have, if you have a mean of putting more stem cells in circulation, don't we have something that can change the world in terms of health? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You wait to develop the problem. Now the cost of repairing the oh, problem, yeah. yep. your loss of quality of life, you, the cost to you because you can no longer work, the impact on family. I mean, it is so huge. And you, you tell me that just by putting more stem cells in circulation, you just help the body stay healthy? My goodness, we can change the world with this. So, so when, I, when I looked at this, it just fueled me with, that's, where, that's why I pushed in this for so long. I, I see in this the, the solution to health at major scale. Yeah. Now, is awesome. there a correlation with the, from the rate of, red marrow turning into yellow marrow mm -hmm. and like how stressed out you are no studies that i know of yeah. uh, have been done on this but uh yeah i can't tell i can tell yeah. by the way this the, the, the impact of stress on stem cells is purely adrenaline and cortisol if you remove the adrenals of the animal that you stress the stem cells don't change before or after stress it's purely stress hormones that will affect stem cells we test for those. Wait, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. That if there is, if you do remove, if you remove the adrenals from <clears throat> from these studies, right? In these mm -hmm. studies from mice and, uh -huh. and rats, you remove the adrenals, and their release of stem cells is not affected. But because studies do show that stress will affect the release of your stem cells. The migration. The migration Mo at this point it was mostly migration okay because many it goes, things yeah it goes back to like if you yeah. if you're in danger then you're not going to repair you got to run yeah. and, and that's another part you know to me of, of how stem cells are central to our health it does not em eliminate a lot of other things we're talking about inflammation all, it, it, all of this is part of the picture but the stem cells are central in that way fasting is good for health right well, what was discovered is that three days of fasting, you have a significant increase in the number of st circulating stem cells. Exercise is good for many reasons, but if you count the number of stem cells before and after really intense exercise, you have a sharp increase in the number of stem cells. Sleep is good. Sound like deep sleep. Deep sleep during deep sleep, you increase the ability of brain stem cells to proliferate and migrate in your brain, brain repair. Um, <laughs> smoking is not good. If you take smoked cigarettes and you, you smoke through a filter, put that filter in water, dissolve the residues of that smoke, put them in the presence of stem cells, you shut down the ability of stem cells to migrate into tissues. And if you filter the air with somebody's smoke, the same thing. Actually, in that study, it was worse. So that study says, at, at the very least, secondary smoke is, is, worse. Is, af, is, is as bad, if not worse, than if you smoke. It's hard to say that it's worse, but sure. in that study, at least it means as bad. Wow. So you keep, we keep looking at what alcohol <laughs> reduces the ability of stem cells to proliferate and migrate. Right. Uh, Anti-inflammatory food, pigmented food, helps for inflammation, supports the role of stem cells. It's almost like everything that we look at that is either good or bad for health 
is either good or bad for stem cells. It's, it's amazing how it's like a, sen a, a central point to overall health. Well, we got to wrap up. <laughs> we can keep on going. Uh, we're also going to film, you're about to do a lunch and learn here with Correct. us. We're going to film that too. So we're probably going to get more into that. So for those of you that are watching or listening on the podcast, if you want to learn some more, go to the YouTube channel because there's going to be even more information from Christian on stem cells, mm -hmm. which I'm so excited about. Uh, but last thing, where can people find you? Uh, uh, website, kaliagen.com, K-A-L-Y-A-G-E-N.com. Uh, and if you want the product, I mean, come here at come SW come Lounge. Here. SW Lounge, we're yes. yes. And uh, I, I'm, I can't wait. By the way, we already have the dates for next uh, year's Heidi Health Fest, and we would love Correct. for you to be there again. So in, in, in 30 seconds, what Stem Regen does, it's, an, it's plants all documented to release your stem cells. So you take two capsules, and you will increase, you will put in your bloodstream, let's say, five to eight million stem cells. You do this every day, it adds up to a significant ability of your body to repair. And it, it, I, I started taking it. And uh -huh. one of the things that I noticed is on my workouts, I, I just, I'm less sore. It's, it's, I mean, for but a healthy person, that's a repair mechanism. It's for the healthy person. It's, it's really what people will experience the most. If you have nothing to repair, the effect can feel subtle. You release themselves, they repair no matter what. That's what they do. But if you push your body into being sore, meaning you, you exercise strongly and you have micro lesions, uh, then yeah, you will repair those micro lesions uh, faster. So it's the most common experience by somebody who is healthy and has an active life. Now yeah. I wonder, is there any reverse effects? Because you just mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned also that uh, this, and this might be a very bad correlation, but you mentioned how in sleep you release more stem cells. I've also noticed that like, and it might be other factors as well too. I've also noticed in the past two months, I'm getting deeper sleep. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, does a reverse effect ha happen? It, it is something that we have heard a lot over the years. And I don't know if I can attribute this to the stem cells. If you were asking me like my best guess on this, I would say I would attribute it, for example, to that uh, that synergy between the AFA and the C-buck-torn berry. If you get mood elevation, if you get mental clarity, sort of calmer mind, then you're likely to have a better sleep. Yeah. Well, so it's, 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 it's probably more that chemistry. Yeah, because if you have more serotonin, you're also going to have, you technically might have more melatonin. Uh, melatonin during sleep as well too yes um and so that could be the connection there plus i've also like eliminated social media from my phone and like that's I'm good just, too and so those are all <laughs> things that i thought like i wonder if this is also helping but i know that the other things are also it, helping it, it's funny <laughs> that what you're saying because i don't want here to make the statement scientific sure. but it is a statement that i have heard so much people who start to take the, to release their own stem cells my best summary of what it does is that it just enhances your natural ability to repair, to regain your health. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say that they were able to let go of habits and stuff at all levels that you can absolutely not connect directly to stem cells, but things like social media, eating, smoking, drinking, started to do exercise. I don't know how many times I've heard that story. So, yeah. so, yes, we've seen it. Well, it's one of those things that, are, you know, it, it becomes like a one cycle. One thing's bring right? another like, one. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and so th that's all great, yeah. right? Whatever can help you get, get in, a, in great habits and then more power to Correct. that. But then if the one thing that's 
quote unquote holding you back is that you keep having this pain and and it might be minute but it's there it's there then why don't you try something that, exactly that, that can help and and the studies are showing that releasing stem cells is helping repair and then this helps you release more stem cells correct so it just makes that that's what it is <laughs> that's what it is i mean the, the the claim here is that it supports your natural ability to repair that's what it does awesome well thank you so much my pleasure any last comments words no i mean i think i think we covered it I, we covered to, to me to me the mission here uh, aside from the product and what people can experience is is just that this concept of releasing your own stem cells uh, is something that we really must bring within the medical community because it's it's huge it, it, I'm very thankful that we ran into you because, uh, well, the conversations that we've already had have sparked so many different thoughts and ideas and, and, and for for our practice and then also just from a personal standpoint. It's like, okay, well, what what does this all mean? And I love whenever I start thinking in terms of like, well, what does this all mean and how can you correlate that to other aspects of your life? So mm -hmm. thank you so much for being in Austin My now. My pleasure. Welcome to Austin as well. Well, you've been here for a little been bit. Been here for uh, about almost eight years. Well, the, you know, the funny thing is the way that we met, it was through a party. Yeah. For our friends, Tim and Tam, who have both been on our podcast before. Uh, and we were at one of their parties, just to throw incredible parties. And he grabbed me and said, you need to meet Christian. <laughs> And it was like right before we were doing the 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 festival, we said we should do this. And then you came in, we had a nice chat, and we made that happen. And now it's it feels like we're family. So because the, because Stem Regen was launched internationally before it was launched in the U.S. So actually, we I did all this development internationally, and I started really in Austin. I mean, about a year ago. So yeah, I've been here for eight years, but I, I'm just tapping here in the community. Awesome community. Thank you for all the people <laughs> that are, that I that we've been able to meet. You know, after after this event, you know, the Adi Health Fest. It was great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and then uh, we'll get to it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time.